Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccan. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is a two-part series. You're listening to the second part of our two-part series on the idea of lobbying, which is kind of weird. And it's a big deal here in the United States. In part one of this series, we explored the history of lobbying, along with a funny, if not completely true, legend concerning President Grant. We looked at the ins and outs of this symbiotic, inherently conspiratorial relationship between lobbying, campaign donations, and quote-unquote gifts. We traced the consequences of that money, as well as its influence on the final language of the laws that every person in the U.S. has to obey. In today's episode, we're going deeper into some of those lobbying scandals. We're going to see what brought us to the present day, and perhaps most importantly, what this could mean for the future of everyone living in the U.S. And again, as we established in episode one, for everyone living uh, across the planet. So here are the facts. You know, this episode will make more sense if you listen to part one first, but I don't think it's a controversial statement to say lobbying is rife with opportunities for conspiracy and corruption. Not all lobbyists are bad, hashtag not all lobbyists or, you know, what have you, uh, but there's simply too much money involved for there not to be opportunities to conspire. Yeah, even in what might seem like an innocuous sort of area, like, like, you know, like you were talking about in the last episode, lobbying for environmental change, you know, positive things. There's still opportunity and the need for palms to be greased in in both directions, you know. Um, It's very, very true. And, 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 you know, to your point, Ben, we're not completely criticizing all lobbyists as individuals. Many of them are wonderful people who are trying to make a difference. Um, 
And uh, this is not necessarily an outright condemnation of politicians or the corporations that these lobbyists are trying to support. The politicians have become so reliant on lobbyists for campaign donations and contributions, um, but also it's important what they do because oftentimes we've, we've mentioned that these politicians are so busy and stretched so thin with, oh, 30 minutes to give to somebody and that's all you got. It's going to go to the one that's maybe contributing the most to your campaign or the one that can help educate you about some of these issues. Oftentimes lobbyists are actually helping participate in the process of writing laws. Yeah. More often than many people would suspect initially. And the corporations, technically speaking, aren't doing anything illegal. But these same corporations also, it must be said, influence the decisions about what is or is not legal. In a very real way, they are writing the laws dictating their behavior. And corporations, we have to remember, are purpose-built entities, meaning their goal is to be successful over the long term. They are literally doing what, from their perspective, they are supposed to do. But it's, it's kind of a conflict of interest, right? If you're writing the laws, then you have the ability to say whatever you want is legal, you know, yeah. to a degree, right? Yeah, and, and that's one of the major criticisms of, of lobbying in general, that if you have that relationship that you mentioned there, well, where a lobbyist group working for a corporation ends up writing the thing that becomes law, they just write it to fit exactly what they need to be able to do. And that part now is illegal. And, uh, you know, or the regulations are lessened to a certain extent to where they can continue doing business as per usual or make even more profit. Yeah. The example from part one was, uh, oh, it's my favorite example, feces and cereal, right? There's some there's some corporation that's saying, okay, whoa, 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 we have to figure out a margin of error for feces. Are you saying we can't have any feces in cereal? That's crazy. We're going to need to bump up the allowable limits, 0.5%. Okay, okay, I, I could go as low as 04 all right, but that's my final offer. And that's how we got grape nuts. Exactly, which is 100% rat feces, as it turns out. Yes. Two scoops, uh, two scoops. <laughs> And this is a great example. You know, we've we've done so many episodes on this show before where lobbying and this type of relationship and issue comes into play. A lot of times it has to do with, with environmental issues, with uh, deregulation of corporations to, you know, be able to dump a certain amount of waste into the environment because the environment, uh, some of the regulations there or at a point where you can have a certain amount of a toxic substance, you know, per million or whatever particles or per billion particles. And then those, those lines get pushed further and further until, you know, a problem arises and then you can just rewrite the regulation if you have to. Right. And a lot of those, uh, a lot of the regulations that corporations will push back against when, when we're talking about the environmental sphere, they're going to be, regulations requiring certain standards for storage, right? Or they're going to be regulations dictating where geographically this waste can be placed, right? Not so, not just the limit of how much, you know, how much of uh, toxic substance X goes into your local water source. The, the issue here is that the opportunity for corruption in lobbying is by no means restricted to any single industry nor to any single political party. It happens all the time. It is happening as we record this episode and it is happening as you are listening to it. It's how the sausage gets made. I have a, I have a terrible hypothetical example for you guys. Uh, let's say I tried to find something innocuous. Let's say uh, we're all billionaires and at the same time, big fans of My Little Pony. So Richard Branson, Matt Frederick, Noel Brown, Paul Mission Control, you listening along at home, and me, your faithful correspondent. We're all billionaires. We're all super into My Little Pony for some reason. We are the world's richest bronies, and we decide we want to see My Little Pony honored more publicly uh, for some reason in American culture. And so we all get together, you know, 
at, at Sea Island or, or you know some other some other classy old money place, and then we say let's start a special interest group. We'll we'll call it uh, Bronies United, and then we use our gargantuan financial <laughs> resources to do that one-two punch we described in the last episode. We donate a ton of money to key lawmakers, and then right after that, we send an army of lobbyists to buttonhole them, and the lobbyists find them right and get lunch with them. They have that three p.m. meeting that we talked about earlier, and they say, "You know what's really virtuous? My Little Pony." Let's emphasize the the importance of this. Uh, th- this example will break down because I don't know a lot about My Little Pony. But oh, I know plenty. It's good, clean fun. I'll tell you that for the good for the whole family. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, Noel, you're going to be our lobbyist in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, or we're all agreed. And so, our our lobbyists that we've hired are emphasizing the importance of having Congress declare August second National My Little Pony Day. Fun fact: that is. That is the real day. I looked it up. It's just not official yet because our group hasn't poured millions into the argument. So, boom, we're successful. That's an easy thing for a congressperson to do, right? We'll just declare something a national day. It doesn't matter whether it's My Little Pony or whether it's National Ray Bradbury Day or National Mufaletta Day. You can easily get that in return for those campaign donations. We haven't hurt anybody in this example, but we have exploited a weakness in this system, and we can do it again with many, many other things. Can I just say, Ben, I love all three of those things. Mufaletta's My Little Pony, uh, Friendship is Magic, by the way, is the full official title, and uh, Ray Bradbury. You know, I've given Mufaletta a chance uh, many Not times. Not into it. Not into wow. it. Is it the olive salad? Uh-huh. That's usually the kicker. It's it's just too much. If it was if it was like half the intensity and didn't take over the entire sandwich, I would dig it. The the, the, the olive the olive salad you're, yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that was gonna be it. It depends on it depends on where you go. General grocery in New Orleans is is pretty much the gold standard, I think. So Got I would say before you before you fire Mofaletta entirely, Matt, let's go to New Orleans and check it out. But no, I've had one in New Orleans. Oh, you That's, have? That was the standard upon central which I was grocery. That's the judging spot. everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A central grocery. That's the one. Uh, so, why is this important? Well, it's because whether we're talking about environmental regulations, whether we're talking about financial regulations, whether we're talking about Mufaletta or My Little Pony, what we just depicted is a blow-by-blow scenario that genuinely does happen way, way more often than the average resident of the U.S. might suspect. It happens with tax law. It happens with monopoly or trust-busting laws and much, much more. Everything from net neutrality, which a lot of people forgot about, to abortion gets touched by lobbying. The more cynical veterans in the field argue this does indeed all go back to the money. So I I would say, we're not at the crazy part yet. I would say, let's talk a little bit about taxes. Oh, yes. Let's. Taxes. Fun. What what we all want to be talking about. Everybody (laughs) wakes up in the morning and they're like, oh man, I can't wait to think about and talk about taxes. You know what I mean? I'm I'm so I'm so pumped that a third of what I do today is going to go gonna go to something, I guess, whatever they deign, you know, to to spend it on. It's sort of like you know, spending money on like a new air conditioning for your car. It's like you don't really want to think about it. No, it's not that's a bad example. Let's just say new tires. They're the kind of thing where like you just don't want to think about it. You want the tires to just always work. I call and those so, adult yep. purchases exactly uh, because an adult purchase is a purchase that does not give you joy. So like, ah, when, you're, when you're a kid, you know, and you get, you've got like 20 bucks burning a hole in your pocket. You walk in. I, I distinctly remember walking into Taco Bell with $20 and I was like, I was a king. Bro, you, know yeah. you could I mean? buy the whole menu for $20 back I in know, the day. Back yeah. in the day. An adult purchase is something that you feel like you have to buy. And after you do it, after you get your tires, right? After you pay your taxes or um, what's what's another? Insurance. Matt, insurance is a great one, Matt. As a, uh, as a homeowner, I'm sure that you've had some like associated house costs 
where yeah, you I mean, know, just a house in general, just all, all the <laughs> crap you have to put into a house and onto a house and under a house and above a house and around a house. Yeah. So yeah. it's rare for people. What we're saying is uh, the it's rare for people to have spent uh, like a ton of money on a new roof and to walk around going, heck, yeah. Heck yeah, new roof. Show me pictures of my new roof. Yeah, uh, you'd be yeah. surprised. Ask some of my neighbors. I am constantly just walking around with my shirt off, just looking at my house, going, "Yeah, yeah, that's my house." <laughs> Look at that roof. Take a deep <laughs> sip of diet coke. You know, the sweat glistening on your chest. <laughs> just nodding to it. Pour one out for the roof. There right. we go. Maybe more people <laughs> should model that behavior. But but we're going somewhere with this, folks. Yes. The adults over at the Sunlight Foundation found some things when they examined 14 million records. 14 million records from 2007 to 2012. And what they found is going to irk you a little bit. A uh, study indicates that, quote, for every dollar spent on influencing politicians... The nation's most politically active corporations received $760 worth of value from the government. So one to $760. Great hmm. investment. Yeah. Damn. I, I also thought when, when I was looking into this, I thought that number felt a little off. Uh, mm -hmm. So to be, to be clear, $760 worth of value can mean a ton of things. It's an umbrella oh, yeah. term, right? It's zoning, it's environment, it's tax law, it's stuff. It, it's it's any short of and long-term gains. Exactly. Yes. Well said. And this represents a grand total of $4.4 trillion. And if you are listening to this podcast in the United States, uh, they should, these corporations should be thanking you because that represents that $4.4 trillion, like Matt said, from 2007, 2012, that represents two thirds of the $6.5 trillion that taxpayers paid into the federal treasury. Yeah. That's over the course of those years? Mm-hmm. That's over the, yeah, that's not one year. That's over the course of those years. But still, that's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Um, and really, what does that mean? That means... Lobbying is a hell of a good idea if you can do it and you've got the money for it. I thought you were going to say a hell of a drug, but I agree with both. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's certainly that. And we'll get into the, the financials of it a little more later, like in terms of like, how is this benefiting corporations in terms of their actual day-to-day -day economics, like how much money they're taking in. But when we talk about the $760 value of a government uh, value. I mean, this literally is all these things we're talking about, like, you know, maybe lowering their tax burden, for example, or again, reducing these um, prohibitively expensive regulations that maybe some corporations would rather have seen not exist at all. Uh, so there's certainly you, you could argue by saving money, they're they're making money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good point, man, because that's part of what gets wrapped up in this idea of value. And this all means that there is an uncomfortable but valid argument to be made, and it's this. Simply put, are residents of the U.S. getting what they pay for in terms of taxes, or are they all simply supporting corporations without their consent or without their knowledge? And to be fair, obviously, business is a necessary vital part of the economy and therefore the nation. So the success of business does mean people continue to be employed. But the question is, how much control should these private entities have over the laws that govern the country and govern the people who live in that country? Plot twist. Critics are asking that question a little bit less nowadays. Nowadays, they're more concerned with how much control these businesses already possess. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Scandal. scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like to say scandal. I think it adds a little gravitas to it, but it goes. Yeah. It goes good when everybody says it. Can we all say it together? <laughs> yes, Three, let's do it. Two. One scandal. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a very American thing. Um, I think is you know from the moment there has been government and business, there has been scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If lobbying is as American as apple pie, then lobbying scandals are as American as baseball. Side note: apples are from Kazakhstan. That's where they originated. So you are going to be a lot of fun at parties with that one so say you <laughs> my what apples about, came wait, from macintosh my, my apples came from johnny appleseed from the original uh you know seeds that he scattered so patriotically um but it's true scandals date back these lobbying scandals date back to 1857 when the times of new york aka the failing new york times uh, i'm just kidding uh published an expose uh for lobbying the pacific railroad bill um i think we all remember vaguely when the railroads became such a big business to the point where there were absolutely all kinds of backroom deals going on. Um, And this bill uh, was something that lobbyists were charged with having shaped um, in order to 
pillage federal lands and taxpayer coffers, essentially. Uh, the House opened an investigation that led to four representatives resigning, uh, and they also ousted uh, the New York Times reporter who broke the story from the premises. Uh, like, you know, I say, good day, sir. We're going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah, that's the thing. So they admitted that something went wrong and they opened the investigation. But while they were opening the investigation, they blackballed the person who told the public about it, which sounds like a lot of other folks in the house at that time had their hand in a cookie jar of some sort and didn't want to get caught. And also it's a great point about the power of the railroads during this time, you know, and rail is still very, very powerful because the U.S. cannot exist without it. Yeah, very true. Just to really describe this example a little more, it's a private corporation that envelops a, the interests of a ton of other corporations, a ton of other interests, because the rail, the, what happens with the rail, where it can go, where freight can be shipped doesn't just affect the railroad itself and the people who own the trains and the rail. It affects everybody that wants to be able to ship something, you know, on, let's say on the Pacific, uh, up and down the coast there. So you can imagine if you if you can pool, pool money in some way, let's say you've got uh, personal connections with a bunch of these other companies that want you as the rail to have more uh, ability to travel further, Everybody could pull their money. This That's not necessarily what happened in this instance, but just to keep this in your mind, imagine if every per, every private interest that would have, you know, had a stake in that, being able to ship, let's say, all the way to Canada from, you know, Southern California or something or into Mexico, uh, if everybody could pull their money to lobby those, the representatives that got in trouble there, you could move mountains, it, like, literally. In this case, I'm assuming. Yes, and if not moving mountains, you could certainly just plow blast the tunnel through it, right? And <laughs> mm -hmm. that's that's true. I mean, you know, some of some of us listening today have family members who saw towns die, live or die, based on the path of the railroad. It is It is tremendously difficult to estimate the total financial impact of this industry in, in the past. And uh, it's a little easier in the present day, but still, like you said, Matt, they're part of the circulatory system or part of the nerve system of this country. I have a new tongue twister. I would like to introduce to you guys. I want to see uh, Matt and I want to see what you guys think uh, on a scale of one to 10. Here we go. Lobbyists literally write lots of laws. Let me give it a go. Lobbyists, oh wow! I almost said lo 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 lobbyists, uh, right? Yeah. Right. Lobbyists, right? Le oh my goodness! Lobbyists literally write lots of laws. Lobbyists literally write lots of laws. laws. Okay. Nice, very yeah. good, guys. Yeah. I abstain. It's true. You abstain. Yeah. I, I, res <laughs> I, I respect that. I, I respect the gentleman's choice. Um, yes. No, it's true. I, yeah. We mentioned it at the top of the show briefly. I mean, I don't know, Ben. Does this mean they actually draft the 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 initial you know the versions of these laws and then you know send them to the lawmakers for approval and then they're kind of like, oh, okay, well now I'm just going to sign my name to it. Is it that simple? This is something Matt and I, uh, Matt and I found out like in the YouTube days, which was incredibly disappointing because Noel, you are absolutely correct. Uh, lobbyists don't just influence laws that are being created. They also do literally write the bills. Not all of them, not all of them, but it does happen as in word for word language, uh, kind of like a college student plagiarizing an essay from a Wikipedia article. You'll see the and, uh, you know, you'll see language that is the entire speaking point that's just inserted, you know, and somewhere on page 14. Politicians are very well aware of this. And uh, thank goodness, some are furious about how extreme this practice has become. Let's look at to Democratic Representative Daniel Kildee of Michigan. He's quoted from an, a conversation he had with NPR. He says, quote, it shouldn't be as a result of an investigative report by a newspaper that members of Congress find out that a bill put before them was actually written by one of the interests affected by it. What's he talking about there? Uh, in this case, he is 
oh, he's discussing some reports that the New York Times again, hey, they, they're just helping us all out by reporting on these these messed up things. Uh, New York Times and Mother Jones got together to investigate uh, final legislation of a bill that was going to roll back this thing that we've, uh, gosh, it's discussed in politics or it was discussed in politics for a long time until it went shh, quiet. <laughs> the two, the yes. 2010 Dodd-Frank financial reform uh, that went through and the language that was in this bill, this actual bill that got presented was, quote, nearly identical to language suggested by lobbyists. You know, I find it very interesting that both you and the kids sitting next to you both got 93% on this exam. Hold them upside, but wait a minute. Do you have anything you'd like to tell us, young man? Have you read the new uh, hen house legislation from uh, Wolves for a Better America? You guys are really uh, out of the box policies, you know. I, yeah, it's foxes in wolf clothing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I don't know. I went to wolves because I've been. I know foxes are the example there, but I've been looking at some. You know, I, I've been watching some like domesticated foxes, some fennec foxes, and aside from the absolute unholy nature of their vocalizations, they're adorable. You know, if you if oh yeah, if, if you could yeah, till they come at on, you, yeah, if you could pet a fox on mute, you would have a lot of fun. But if you have ever heard them, it's like just a step below koala noises. If you've ever heard koalas fight, it's or like rab- rabbits when they're dying. It's like a death death scream. Rabbits literally scream when they're being killed. One of the best examples of this comes to us from a speech or an anecdote, a little bit of a, an American fable called The Story of Mouseland. You can find it on YouTube if you haven't yet. Uh, I'm, I'm just dropping the link here so we can all watch it. Uh, it's a story, this version is told by a guy named Tommy Douglas in 1944. Uh, it is politically charged, uh, but it does, I think, uh, it does explain our point. So if you have the time, do check it out. It is not uh, is not, to my knowledge, made by Citigroup. Hmm. Unlike the laws. Sorry. Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention that. Uh, did we mention it's Citigroup that he was mad at? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Daniel Kildee of Michigan was really mad at. He, he, Citigroup is one of the major players in, the, in, this, in this legislation, and they had their lobbyists literally, literally write the thing. That's why that representative was so angry, and he ended up, not voting for it because he saw this conflict of interest, even though perhaps there were some good things in that bill. But it did pass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, he voted. Yeah. He vo- I believe it did. He voted against it, but overall it had it had enough support. And again, I just don't want to you know sound like we're picking on uh, lobbyists because, I mean, they do offer a valuable service. Again, sometimes these or many times these uh, politicians need to be educated um, in certain you know, fields, maybe that, that it's not their particular wheelhouse. Um, so they do serve a valuable, you know, uh, role in government, but the relationship just seems so cozy and weird and well beyond just the, let me educate you, uh, Senator. Um, it's much more like, Hey, let me write this law for you that benefits me, but also makes you look smart in a perfect world. A lobbyist, that position would instead be filled by a third party expert in whatever field that bill pertains to a think right? tank of some sort. Right. So like, uh, yeah, a geologist, a hydrologist, a biologist, uh, several other ologists get together and say, Senator or Congressperson, this is what will happen if rates of contaminants in the in the water sources go above this percent, and therefore yeah. we recommend this, but the problem is those folks, if they exist, are often drowned out. Well, at least that way you would get a balanced view of here's what business needs to thrive in you know in this sector that this legislation is going to affect. Here's what you know the human beings that live in whatever area around where this industry is occurring, you know, all that kind of stuff. You get to see it from all sides. But in this case, you're really getting just the vision of the people that want to make more money and the people that want to get elected. Yeah. Yeah. Because the election cycle 
never really stops. Uh, and there's a good question. This is a dangerous question, but this show is about dangerous questions. There, There is a good question about the efficacy of having politicians that are elected for two to four year terms, making decisions that really come into play decades later, right? And the consequences of that, because, you know, often those politicians won't be in office when they see the, when the full ramifications of their legislation becomes apparent. The reason that's a dangerous question is because that leads, that, that can lead to some troubling places, right? That's one of the arguments for strongmen. It's one of the arguments for dictators. If you've ever looked at a study of U.S.-Russian diplomacy, you see a lot of different people shaking the head of the same guy from Russia. That's weird, right? That That's strange. But anyway, that problem aside, which does not have an easy solution, we have another great terrifying example of lobbyists literally writing lots of laws. And that is Alec, not Alec Baldwin, not Alec Baldwin. Actually, yes, the entire Alec Baldwin <laughs> is the number one example of corruption in lobbying. <laughs> Always be writing laws. Uh, there, you know, there's yeah. this is a group. Or it's a, is it an organization? Ben, you're going to have to fill me in. I remember talking about this group at length. Yeah, we did an um, episode on Alec. That's it. Okay. And that was around the time when Oliver, John Oliver, was brought it up. I think, God, man, my memory is really fading when it comes to what we've covered, what John Oliver's covered, and then how those two things. I intersect. think we got there right before John. I think so, too. But, yeah, the American Legislative Exchange Council. It's a nonprofit organization. It's a lot of state legislators, typically more on the conservative side, along with folks we could loosely call private sector representatives. And Alec got in the news and got in trouble uh, a while back before everyone forgot about it because they did exactly what Kildee had a problem with in the Citigroup example. Just like uh, we mentioned earlier, these private sector folks and these lobbyists are going to politicians as subject matter experts and they're saying you know what just put it put it this way you know what no no here i'll just I'll, I'll write it down i'll write it down for you it'll still be your thing don't worry it'll still be your thing and your constituents will thank you um you might see some awesome campaign donations but just be very very certain that this is the language you use so the politicians you're hiring and you're hiring them by electing them, I'd argue, uh, the ones you're hiring to write laws on your behalf, they're not writing their laws. Think of it this way. What if instead of uh, talking about electing representatives, because I know that's a snooze fest for some folks, what if instead of talking about electing political representatives, we go to the example of hiring someone to drive a car for you? I was recently out in the boonies in a, a rural area, and I needed to I needed to hop a car, and it took me a while. I could this is not the kind of place with a rental car, right? So it, a rental car service. So it took me a while to find an Uber, and I was able to hang out with this wonderful, wonderful old guy in in his F one fifty. He's got a very interesting life. I learned all about it because I took a two hour Uber ride, which. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. I didn't know you could do that. But Edward, if you're listening, man, thanks for checking out the show. So so imagine we're in this example, right? We all, we have, instead of electing someone, we have hired someone to drive a car for us. And this person we have hired is supposed to, like, Matt, you've hired this person. They're supposed to drive you and Noel to certain destinations. And all you have to do is negotiate the specifics of the route, right? So you know... You know that you might take a state road, you might take an interstate, but at some point you're going to end up in, you know, Poughkeepsie. Or where do you guys want to go? Where's your destination? Walla Walla, Washington, please. To Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. So the specifics might change, but the end goal's the same. You can agree on that. But then you guys get in the car after you've hired this person, after you've paid for their services, you get in the car and lo and behold, there's someone else sitting there 
They're, they're riding shotgun, in fact. You guys are in the back. And they're telling the driver where to go. They take a different route than you had originally assumed they would take. And you end up not in Walla Walla, Washington, which is also fun to say, but in a completely different place. But don't worry, Matt, Noel, you still paid for the car and you still paid for the gas. So in this scenario, we paying for the car and the gas are the, the American people, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. So the driver is the representative, the government and the shotgun rider backseat driver is the lobbyist. It's Alec. It's just Alec. It's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> With those dulcet tones, I would probably do just about anything Alec Baldwin told me to. So, welcome back to classic music on NPR. I'm can't Alec, do Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. That was pretty good, Matt. That wasn't. He bad. always sounds like kind of weirdly He's into me in every moment. A million percent. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like more. Th- I like to think of it more as making love to me with his voice. Uh yeah, he's got a quiet storm vibe for sure. <laughs> so uh, this, I, I know that's maybe an overwrought kind of comparison, but hopefully it, hopefully it is an impactful one. There are no shor- there's no shortage of examples of this sort of corruption occurring. We'll pause for a word from our sponsors and we'll return with one that I think everybody has been waiting for us to mention. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
All right, you guys, what's one of the best things we can do as humans? We can unite uh, against a common cause. And uh, be it we are all citizenry of the same country, we shall be citizens united. Yeah, Lord of the Rings style. <laughs> yeah. So what are we going to do with that uh, thing? Citizens United. What is that? And it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Citizens should unite, right? That's that's what countries are. They are Citizens United. Uh, citizens United, uh, fun fact, is also the name of a conservative nonprofit group that challenged campaign finance rules after the FEC, Federal Election Commission, we've got an episode on them, after the FEC stopped it from promoting and airing a film criticizing uh, a president, the then-presidential candidate Hillary Rodham Clinton. The problem was that the FEC said, you're airing this hit piece, and it is like propaganda hit piece, you're airing it too close to the presidential primaries. So you're poisoning the well, kind of. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it was news, right? Yeah, it was huge news because, uh, okay, there were a lot of protections. Like like you said, the, the whole reason why this was even heard by the Supreme Court, right? That, this, that's why it's such a big deal. It was heard by the Supreme Court. The reason why it's such a big deal is because the amount of money you could donate as an individual or as a group was limited, and then how you use that money during a campaign, there are all these rules and regulations you got to get around. If you're if you're an interested party, you got a lot of money, uh, what you can do with it. The Citizens United decision, uh, Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission, it really did remove a ton of the protections that were in place. Well, pro- I, I guess protections. Let's say restrictions. It removed the restrictions in place on people with a lot of money uh, who wanted to give to specific campaigns. It also changed exactly how those uh, groups could spend their money to influence campaigns. Yeah, yeah. So what is free speech? What is censorship, right? This goes beyond the yelling fire in a crowded movie theater example. This this is the idea that, um, let's say, Paul, Mission Control, Deccant is a billionaire, and he says, I I really want, insert person here, to be the, the Congress person for this district. So I'm going to donate a ton of cash through one avenue or another, right? I'll take several different routes, but they're all going to end up in Walla Walla, Washington. And this Supreme Court decision hinges on that idea of money as free speech and money as, just like lobbying, something protected under the First Amendment, the redress of grievances, right? There's someone we'd like to introduce in the show today, Carl Evers Hillstrom, who puts it this way. They have a great quote about this. It's a little bit long, so maybe we round robin it, but I think it's an excellent explanation. Evers Hillstrom sets it all up this way. Uh, The decade that followed was by far the most expensive in the history of U.S. elections. Independent groups spent billions to influence crucial races, supplanting political parties and morphing into extensions of candidate campaigns. Extensions of candidate campaigns. Just want to hit that one home. He goes on to say wealthy donors flexed their expanded political power by injecting unprecedented sums into elections, and transparency eroded as, quote, dark money groups, keeping their sources of funding secret, emerged as political powerhouses. Yeah. Dark money. Where does it come from? Where does it go? And uh, he just a reminder, he's talking about 2010 to 2020. That's when all of this money was spent in packs, super packs, and all the various things that you can now donate your money to that then as a giant monster puts its power onto the or, or applies its power onto the elections. I just feel like, um, gosh, it, it just seems very cynical and uh, self-serving to equate money with free speech. Like, I just don't think they're the same thing. I mean, money is a much more direct route to change and to getting people to do exactly what you want them to do than just trying to make a good argument for it. Yeah. So the issue at hand, I was trying to think of a good comparison for this, is 
that money and speech are different things. People are born by virtue of being human with a mind, usually with the ability to speak or the ability to make their desires known, uh, but people are not automatically born with money. That is a system, that, that is a belief system, like a religion, that has just been created by humans. The justices who voted with the majority here, it was pretty close, it was five to four, uh, they assumed that independent spending somehow cannot be corrupt and that this independent spending would also be transparent. Both of those assumptions were quickly proven to be incorrect. Yeah, and, and a lot of the people that ended up looking at this thing afterwards, especially the uh, political commentators, the late night talk show hosts, the uh, anyone doing sketch comedy following Citizens United, <laughs> uh, everybody looking at it just saw what felt like a major problem. Uh, where you could just now spend unlimited amounts of money if you had it to influence the way American politics functioned from the, from the laws to the, the people that got elected just to, to everything. Yeah. And this just opened the floodgates for, for lobbying. I mean, for, for the, these lobbyists who are, you know, again, their stock and trade is how do I win favors and influence people, you know? And then a big part of that is by contributing dollars, real dollars to, to campaigns. And now it's more legal than ever. Uh, if, I mean, there's, there's no limits. Well, it should be noted that it doesn't matter where you individually lie on the political spectrum. This affects everyone. 100%. Because, uh, yeah, people who th who want the things you want and people who want the exact opposite of things you want or somewhere in between all can do the same thing and have the, the same influence, again, depending on the amount of money they can pool. Yeah. I read a report from the Brennan Center that really hit home uh, where they pointed out that a very small group of U.S. residents now wield, quote, more power than at any time since Watergate while many of the rest, meaning the rest of American citizens, seem to be disengaging from politics. Which means that the idea of citizenship in terms of like your responsibilities, living in a country, your responsibility to vote, your responsibility to pay taxes or to, you know, participate in your local and federal and state level communities, that's falling to the wayside for a lot of people. Because people are not stupid. People are aware of what has happened and how the conversation and the process has changed. And people have dealt with the reality that the average person probably cannot afford a lobbyist. Well, and it's no wonder that there's so much uh, disenchantment around the political process, around does my vote even matter? Like, does it even matter which side gets elected? Because at the end of the day, they're all having the same conversations with the same special interest groups um, and, and lobbyists, of course. And that's why a big political platform for some to differentiate themselves from this is saying, I don't pander to special interest groups and these lobbyists or, you know, even Trump's whole drain the swamp kind of attitude. You know, he's I'm beholden to no one because I'm independently wealthy and therefore I'm going to make the decisions that are right for the country as a businessman, as opposed to needing all of that capital uh, from these groups that are essentially devil's bargains, right? Because you, you then have to the chat. Oh, big time. <laughs> In a big way. Exactly. So so Where's it uh, coming from? Did you hear that? <laughs> I heard nothing. Uh so the you're you're absolutely right, you guys. The data I'm, I'm, I'm talking more about platforms, not yes. reality. Putin has left the chat. Uh yes. so the the information here that we're talking about shows that this conflation of money and speech is both a symptom and a cause for growing wealth inequality in the U.S. A feedback loop has been created, right? And this means the conspiracy is real. It is happening. The future does not look particularly bright uh, because uh, there are a ton of very smart, if amoral, people who are in the game. Uh, some of the biggest players in the game now, recently, some of the biggest, newest players are tech companies. So ask yourself, how are you listening to today's podcast? 
you're listening through a piece of technology, right? Through a, a platform of some sort. It may be Spotify, it may be iHeart, it may be Apple. All of those are tech companies and they're not even the biggest ones. We're talking about the Googles, right? We're talking about the mm. Facebooks. They got money oh. in that free speech. <laughs> Yeah, and they've also got crosshairs on them, uh, which, again, is also part of political kind of posturing in some ways, you know, blaming Facebook for spreading misinformation, um, you know, during the election, uh, being in some way responsible for, um, you know, disrupting the political process. Right. So now they definitely and again, there's truth to that. Sure. Is it nefarious? Are they actively trying to disrupt democracy? I would argue probably not. But um, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, you let that genie out of the bottle and it's going to do what it's going to do. And sometimes even, you know, the master of the genie can't really control it. Um, you know, and I'm talking to you, Zuckerberg, you know, like the idea of like, you know, this technology, while they're not you know actively trying to disrupt democracy, there are symptoms uh, that, that, that arise because of things that maybe you didn't foresee that allow uh, bad actors to kind of get in there and use the technology to do just that. But now the tech companies themselves are getting blamed for it and more regulation is kind of, in, in, you know, in the in the cards. Um, and so they're lobbying the f up, you know, and they're getting they're protecting their interests. And it's becoming much more of like a thing where now we're hearing about. Google and Facebook and all of these you know, tech companies that are uh, very much um, concerned with these future regulations and therefore are spending tons and tons of money on lobbyists. Well, they're just trying to make money, Noel, the, the way they know how to make money and then use that money to influence their ability to make more money. So come on, bro. I'm sorry, man. I'm being a little harsh, bro. Uh, but no, it's true. You know, but, but this, is, this is the same thing that all, any of these corporations are doing. It's just very specific to the tech industry that now, you know, for a while they were kind of pooling their interests um, and hiring these, these giant uh, lobbying firms. But now more and more, these tech giants uh, like Google and Facebook, et cetera, are starting to move away from that model and uh, protecting their own individual interests because it's less of a we're all in this together and much more of a like, well, what's good for Amazon isn't necessarily good for Facebook. They're very specific, you know, industries. And so they, they're almost, I believe, Ben, if I'm not mistaken, they're like hiring their own internal lobbyists, essentially, as opposed to outsourcing to these big firms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we're at a, uh, we're, we're at a, not quite a tipping point, but we, we are seeing a pattern that has precedent, which is there are these big companies, right? And they have a limited amount of space in their industries. So they want to be involved in these different aspects. You know, that's how that's how a search engine and a online bookstore suddenly find themselves fighting about, you know, servers or fighting about uh, who gets what piece of the pie. For instance, if you own an iPhone and you are on Amazon, and you're in the Amazon app, you cannot buy a Kindle, or you can't buy a book for your Kindle because uh, I, uh, Apple wanted a piece of that pie. They wanted a piece of that purchase. And Jeff, or excuse me, Amazon, was like, what? No. And that's, that's why you cannot do it through the app. So these things do, they, these entities do realize, like you're saying, Noel, that they have conflicting interests. And so they're, you know, it's, it's almost like game theory. They've decided to find their own increasingly nuanced need-specific representation. And in January of 2021, uh, current President Joe Biden signed an executive order invoking a two-year ban on lobbying for political appointees. Kind of. Sort of. He basically said, everybody sign an ethics pledge. And there's a ban on certain types of lobbying for two years after you leave public service. Mm, closing a revolving door, eh? Which is difficult to do. Well, that's the, that's, that's the idea. Let's say your uh, tech company, like from our earlier examples, you want to hire the best representatives money can buy and you have a lot of money. So you want to hire someone who's connected, right? Maybe someone who just... Just uh, got out of the got out of public service, and now they're like you said, Matt. The revolving door. Now they're like, I want to still do the same stuff. I want to play on the same court. 
yeah. for a different team. Right? Yeah, I've still got That's Linda and Steve's number in my phone here. I can just give him a call and we can have that three o'clock meeting down at the country club. No problem. Yes. Yeah. But this this is a problem and it does seem set to accelerate as corporate interests gain more and more power over the legislative process, including, as, as you point out, Noel, the new kids on the block, the tech companies. They got into the game in a big way because originally they were fighting against laws on data collection, monopolization, and so on. That is where the conspiracy stands today. There are multiple nonprofit groups working to create more transparency, and there are politicians of all stripes, of all genres, who are pushing for better regulations, although they do seem sadly outnumbered in Congress. And there are also, we have to say, there are a ton of very ethical lobbyists. They genuinely believe they are advocating for policies that will improve the day-to-day lives of people uh, in this country and beyond. You know what I mean? When we talk about special interests, we're not just talking about, you know, tycoons uh, or the Monopoly Man characters of the world. We're also talking about, you know, people who need accessibility to public spaces, right? We're talking about underrepresented folks, uh, people who have been marginalized. We're talking about conservationist stuff, right? Like uh, preserving wildlife. So this means that not everyone is a bad guy in this story. Uh, There are tons of voters who believe also that the U.S. is a better place when corporations have more freedom. The argument is that regulation of almost any sort will hurt the economy and therefore the people more than it helps. Not everybody agrees. That's just, that's the other side of the argument. And we have to realize that there are people who hear about corporations wielding this sort of power in the political process and they say, all right, well, good. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Indeed. Um, uh, do they, is there an equivalent of this in other countries, Ben? This seems like a uniquely American thing, even though one of the theories about where the term lobbying came from did come from the UK and uh, in, in British Parliament, um, or, or rather certain houses of government um, with people you know, hanging out in the lobby to like tug on the coattails, literally, of lawmakers. But uh, what, what do other countries do? How do, other, how, how do politicians in other countries possibly manage to make informed decisions without this massive behemoth of an industry sucking off the teat of the taxpayer. You have an inquiry. Well, that's how you do it. <laughs> you have an inquiry yes. into, <laughs> into what exactly is going on with this book of faces and what needs to be done about it. And what do they need to continue profiting? Uh, no, I, I don't summon know. the paperwork. <laughs> I don't know. Is that how they do it in Parliament? They summon the paperwork? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and as if all these problems and plot twists weren't enough, we have to remember we are living in the midst of an ongoing information war. What does that mean? That means that foreign powers have eagerly swept into these conversations to sow dissent to push their own agendas, and in some cases, to actively exploit the weaknesses in the political system as a way of circumventing international law and as a way of weakening the U.S. domestically and abroad. That is a story for another day. Now we we, we want to hear from you, folks. What do you think about this? Are you a lobbyist? Uh, are you for or against lobbying. As we said in part one, how on earth would you write a law that addresses corruption in lobbying? Especially when lobbyists write so many laws. <laughs> so it's it's a dilemma because you also can't limit people's constitutional right to free speech in that way. You know, it's very, very tricky. And perhaps most importantly, what's the future of lobbying? What should it be? We would love to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on the internet. We are on YouTube at Conspiracy Stuff. You can also find us on Instagram where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Or pick up the phone. Why not? Just do it. Give us a call at one stdwytk That's right. That is our phone number. You can leave a message. You have three minutes in which to do it. Give yourself a cool nickname or your real name, whatever you want. Just let us know if we can use it and your message on the air. Oh, and hey, while you're on the internet, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts, and leave us a nice review. It helps people discover the show and it makes us, you know, feel good about ourselves. 
It's true. And if you've got more you want to send us, maybe a link, maybe an image, something substantial like that, guess what? We have a good old-fashioned email address where you can send all of that stuff. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.